0: Find her Dr. Bayer, PR.com, as well as the CEO of PR Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself with better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we have Dr. Crystal Maxwell, who's a family medicine physician, uh, re- graduated from the University of Tennessee, uh, family medicine residency program, as well as uh, the College of Medicine as well. And this week, we bring her on to discuss her contribution to the anthology, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats, Volume 2. And uh, she's actually the first in a series of interviews we're going to be doing based off uh, the newest anthology of the Chronicles of Women in White Coats. And I've, I've had the pleasure to interview a few members in the past, if you might may remember Dr. Amber, as well as Dr. Kimberly on past episodes, I will put their uh, links in show notes. I've got the opportunity uh, to reach out to talk to a few more new physician authors, which you know, I love speaking uh, to physicians who are doing stuff that, uh, you know, aren't, that is outside of the typical norm. So uh, Dr. Krista Maxwell gives an amazing interview and talks about A lot of her motivation uh, to help teach and educate her community and why she's such an amazing leader right again um, her inner cv really speaks for itself when i say that she's an amazing leader amazing uh, thought provoker and she's someone that you're definitely going to want to hear from so uh, like always remember uh, take notes uh, share the podcast with 10 of your friends subscribe to the podcast and have a blessed day This podcast is sponsored by the Lunch and Learn Community Merchandise Store. Living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. At the store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, coffee mugs, even wristbands, and more. For a limited time, you can get 10% off your next purchase using the coupon code Empower10. That's Power10. E M P O W E R 10 E-M-P-O-W-E-R-10. Just go to shop.drbayerpr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off to date. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. All right, Lunch Learn community, you've heard an amazing introduction. And today we're going to be talking with... Uh, a person who is very multifaceted, and I'm very interested to kind of get, you know, deep into, you know, kind of what she does, uh, entrepreneur, family man, physician, uh, also an author, right? Um, uh, Dr. Maxwell, first of all, thank you for hopping on to the Lunch and Learn community and Lunch and Learn podcasts, and uh, I I know you got a lot of stuff for them to kind of, you know, take away uh, from this episode, and I'm just excited, uh, you know, for you being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So uh, now, again, is it because my my doctors are typically different. Now, is it Dr. Maxwell, Dr. Crystal? How do we how do we how how are you known out into the into the world out here?
1: Dr. Maxwell.
0: Dr. Maxwell. Perfect. Perfect. Um, So tell us a little bit. I got a lot of people who, you know, they listen to the introduction, but they like to fast forward They get right to this main uh, portion of the episode. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know who you are, and you know, and like I said, we're gonna we're gonna get into your business today, but just a little bit of introduction, just in case someone like fast forward and pass right right through the introduction.
1: Okay, wonderful. Um, I'm Dr. Crystal Maxwell. I'm a family medicine physician, um, originally born in Mississippi, born and raised, um, and I still have a lot of family there as well, and currently living in South Carolina. Um, I'm a chief medical officer at a community health center. I've been there for 10 years, been the chief medical officer for eight years. And um I am a wife and mom, most importantly. Um, those bring me my greatest joys of being able to um be a part of my husband's life, who's also in medicine, and see my growing daughter who's into almost everything from dance to soccer to swim. Um and so um, trying to stay on top of those things and keep up with her busy schedule. Um, it has been, uh, you know, having to multitask has been a, a learning, learning curve, new learning curve. Um, you get a lot of multitasking in medical school, but it becomes much different when you become a wife and a mom. <laughs> so, um, those are my greatest joys, along with working um, with community organizations with my sorority um, and serving as, as healthcare director at my church. All right.
0: So, uh, for, first of all, what, what sorority? What sorority are you part of?
1: Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority and-
0: Incorporated. Love, right. love, love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> um, so, I always get when I was every time I get my doctors on uh, the show, I like to because a lot of my audience are, you know, your patients or, you know, kind of kind of getting into the healthcare field and stuff, or just trying to be more health conscious. Uh, and I always tell them that, you know, not everyone's story uh, is the same as far as how they got here, right? Typically, you know, they typically see the end result, right? Like they see Dr. Maxwell, all these amazing things, right? But they don't necessarily see what it took to get to the point before Dr. Maxwell became Dr. Maxwell. Can you talk a little bit again, like I said, about just kind of about your, your path into medicine, why medicine, you know, you know, some, some hurdles that you may have had to uh, come across, you know, across your way.
1: Absolutely. Um, So my path to medicine, I was always into science as a child. Um, Science was always my favorite thing from marine biologist, thought I wanted to be a marine biologist at one point and thought I wanted to be an astronomist at one point. Um, But my freshman year of high school, um, my grandfather got diagnosed with advanced stage prostate cancer. And going in and out of the hospital, seeing the nurses, the doctors and all the machines, I was just absolutely fascinated with everything that they were doing. Um, coming home, having conversations with or overhearing conversations, not me being a part of it, but overhearing conversations with my grandmother and my mom, um, and them talking about his healthcare. It was just very interesting to me that they still had a lot of questions, even though we had just left the hospital left, just left doctor's office. It was like, we just left there. Why are y'all still have questions about what's going on? And so I knew I wanted to be on the physician side of that story. Um, and to try to help bridge that gap and making sure that patients and their families understood what I was telling them, um, from their medical care and, and that I knew what was going on and that when my family had issues, that I could be that one to say, well, let's talk about it. This is what's going on. So that really, um, made me decide I really wanted to do medicine. And I, that, that became my commitment after that, doing science programs every summer, um, when I was in high school um, and then when I went to college enrolling as a premed, med um, and then doing science um, medicine uh, summer camps to expose myself to physicians and 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 began getting that training
0: and you know what I what I love is uh, especially for those who, you know, typically go into, uh, you know, the ambulatory community medicine, um, a lot of that story seems to always ring true where our family members are going to these doctor's offices, you know, going, get their again, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, but when you ask them like, Oh, Hey, how was the visit? Cause my, my mom still to this day, like still now. Right. Like, Oh, how was the visit? What did they say? Oh, I don't really know. And I'm like, well, how do you like, how, and I always ask, like, how did you leave there not necessarily knowing, you know, what you were supposed to do? And, uh, you know, I used to think like, oh, you know, people don't do that. Like, no, they got get all their questions done. And I was like generally shocked at uh, the amount of people that, you know, go to the doctor's office and have no clue what they're supposed to do next. And then on on the physician side, where where we call those people, oh, they're just not compliant; they don't follow the directions. No, they never even uh, got a grasp of the initial directions in the first place to actually follow. Uh, so, so yes, yeah, so I, I love I love that I love that analogy because it's it rings so true and it is so common, um, you know, with with the patient, especially. And again, I, I experienced it pretty early too. Kind of, you know, seeing, you know, my mom and dad, and like just in the healthcare system, but not necessarily in the healthcare system. Like they had one foot in and kind of one foot out, uh, you know, kind of kind of wading through the waters. So so yeah, I, I love it. Lo- absolutely love that aspect. Now as. Now, and you were actually introduced not only in in medicine, especially through your grandfather, but also like yourself, right? Like you got a kind of a an early introduction to you know the healthcare system, because uh, I know a lot of people. Most I know a lot of people, especially especially um, you know the you know the mid twenty five, the thirty five range. Um, they typically only go into the doctors, you know, when the mom takes them and everything else, and they're not necessary for any other real reasons for just like their wellness checkups. But um, you were actually introduced, unfortunately, very early uh to the healthcare system can you talk a little bit about that and um you know that that path which is very interesting
1: um at the tender age of 30 i found myself being in congestive heart failure um severe congestive heart failure at that my uh ejection fraction was less than 15 percent. when i went i just thought i probably had a pulmonary embolism i had a pe i'm 30 i'm on birth control I, I was on a recent flight um at that time I had gone to fly to a friend's baby shower for the weekend and so you know I had a 6 month old daughter so you know I'm thinking I obviously I got a blood clot so this is going to change in my life I got a blood clot because I'm short of breath and I can't breathe well that was not the case it was heart failure oh Wow. <laughs> wow. Not and and, and, and Lunch and Lunch and Lunch
0: and community, um, <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to kind of give you an idea. Uh, when she says her ejection fraction was 15%, um, you know, the, the risk of sudden death, the risk of, you know, abnormal rhythm that could you know, really take us at it, like, is extremely high. That's when we start talking about the fibrillator. So, like, I don't want us to, like, breeze through that 15%, because that is a lot. I mean, that, that, that is very severe.
1: Exactly. So, you know, normal ejection fraction is above 50%. Um, and so you're talking about being down to 15%. And so I, um, had to wear an external defibrillator, um, after I got out of the hospital. Um, of course I was on every heart medicine that there was, um, and, um, I did not necessarily have a bad diet. I was not overweight. I was not obese um, at the time either. I was thin, I was exercising. um, So I wasn't necessarily even that typical case, Um, but I still had to tweak some things, of course, um, with being a lot more serious with reading labels and how much salt is in food, Um, making sure that I wore the life vest. And I will tell you, um, for any patient that has to wear one, it is not fun. Um, so that has been a learning experience because I have had patients since I have gone through that that have had to wear like life vest, and from my personal experience can tell them tips of how to make it more comfortable, how to deal with the itching, um, how to deal with taking a shower, um, all things that you don't think about necessarily from the doctor's standpoint, when you tell someone, well, this is what you need to do, well, how do you apply it and make it real? That I when I have to do this all day, every day, 24-7. So I have a different perspective for that and um, a lot of a, a different way that I can educate patients um, for them and supporting them in, in making that transition. Um, so yes, that was a very, very scary, very scary time. Um, thankfully, I have recovered and have a normal functioning heart, but it was a journey. Um, it was a little over six months before I recovered. So... Um, it was definitely a scary journey that took me to, they were discussing doing, um, actually doing the, um, uh, surgical procedure for a defibrillator, um, because it was taking a while before it was getting up, um, at a safer point. Um, but, uh, my cardiologist just had me modify my activities for a while. And as we began to see, uh, my heart pumping better, um, we, uh, he said we can continue to watch and it did recover. And so I didn't have to have that surgical, um, procedure. Uh, he knew that oh, I, I, I love, to fly. I love to go on yes. vacation. And so, you know, he t- uh, talked to me about, you know, of course that would change how going through the airport, you know, having to have the defibrillator that would change all of those kind of scenarios. So, um, thinking about the real life aspects of what, the impact of what someone is prescribing or telling them to do um, really opened my eyes up from going through that of me trying to make sure I'm being more sensitive when I'm talking to a patient about those lifestyle things that they will have to change um, and what's different.
0: Now, and can you can you talk, talk to lunch and learn community, a couple of things. One, um, what is a life vest? Right. And then two, like how, like, how did you, like, how do you take that news? as as a patient right because obviously a lot of times it's sometimes very difficult for us to separate uh the physician in us and the patient in us like like when 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 someone's telling you like your ejection fraction is 15 percent like how does you the patient like say like what and um and, and just talk to a little just to give a little brief to what a life is so you know the
1: Okay. So a life vest is an external defibrillator. So you have, um, it's, it's made up and strapped on like a vest and it will defibrillate. It's, uh, so it's the defibrillator that will basically shock your heart and it's located on the outside of your body instead of having the surgical procedure where they put it on the inside. Um, and so you wear it as a vest so that if your heart goes out of rhythm or stops, it will shock you.
0: and and this is something you had to wear like all the time like this is like a like all Mm -hmm. day wow
1: all day i take it off when i shower i shower quickly um when i did shower i did let my husband know that i was about to shower so that if something if i were in there too long he would you know know to come and check on me but all, all day yes yes so yes being being on that patient side um uh, it was scary. And unfortunately, I did not have the best way that I was told um, that it happened. Um, when I was in the hospital, um, I the doctor side of me knew what medications the nurse was bringing to me. Um, I was being brought a beta blocker. I was being brought an ACE inhibitor, beta blocker, um, Coreg, mm. um I was brought lisinopril. And I was like, well, I know my blood pressure's up a little bit, but why am I being brought these <laughs> medicines specifically? Wow. And the nurse, wow. well, she couldn't tell me. She said, a doctor had to talk to me about my medical treatment and the diagnosis. And I said, well, can I talk to him? Well, it was a Sunday evening. And she said that the doctor was not coming by till tomorrow. And I said, well, somebody needs to talk to me because I'm not going to go all night until tomorrow, not knowing what a diagnosis is when clearly y'all have one. And so that doctor refused to set up any type of way of talking to me. So I fired him. <laughs> and we got a new cardiology group um, to come in. And he called me on the phone. And his words were, So you're the new onset heart failure. And I said, What? Um, excuse me. Um I'm, I'm what? And he said, You have heart failure. And I said, Well, nobody's told me and the doctor side of me was able to think through that they gave me um, a whole liter of fluid because I had gotten a contrasted CT to look for the blood clot in my lungs, and I said, well, they've given me a liter of fluid. I have not gotten Lasix yet. I had not gotten a fluid pill, so they had given me the first two minutes before the heart failure, but not the fluid pill, And he was like, you've been there how long? (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, I've been on the floor and I've not gotten Lasix, but I've gotten a liter of fluid. And so immediately he went ahead, ordered the Lasix. Um, And so unfortunately, it just was not a very good transitional period for me as a patient. And it's very scary if I had not had that knowledge with having the fluid I already had, plus the extra given. What would have happened that next 12 hours had I waited for the cardiologist the next day? Wow. Um, so that and, was and this
0: is and you're a physician. And <laughs> I'm a physician. Experience. So, so, wow. Okay. That's and the reason why that's so sad is because again that scenario happens to a lot of people who don't have the knowledge that you have, and and you know consequences occur. So, thankfully, right? Thankfully, you 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 at least knew what you knew, and you were able to kind of direct your care to make sure that you were taken care of. Uh, Because, again, got to got to take care of yourself, especially if it doesn't seem like those who are in charge of taking care of you are doing it. So, wow. okay, Very.
1: So the next day I got my ultrasound. I got the echocardiogram. And because, again, a physician, I know too much looking at the at the readings. I saw oh, the fifteen percent on the machine, that is and funny. so <laughs> uh, you know, again, you know, my heart sank when I realized how severe this was. Because not only was it heart failure, but it was, you know, I'm I'm in the severe stage of this, and so, you know, just being the patient was, um, uh, it's scary thinking of me on this side, and Definitely. you know, knowing all of the possible worst case scenarios as the patient, you know, intensifies that um and so you know you don't want to be you don't want to always have to pull that doctor card being the patient because i really wanted to be the patient but unfortunately things happen where i i had to demonstrate my knowledge and make sure that i advocated for myself
0: it's so, so funny every, every time we go to a doctor's office like i would be trying to be very low-key with it and my wife be like and he's a doctor just so, just so just so we're aware of what's going on he's a doctor right so don't you, you give it to him directly straight uh, so, so we know. And then, and, again, and unfortunately, right, people t- do treat you differently, right, when they know you're a physician, which, again, it's a sad, sad state uh, from a healthcare standpoint, but, uh, okay. So fortunately for us, six months later, we were able to get over that hump. And, you know, as as you, as you look back, especially at that journey in that past six months, how were you able to kind of you know, manifest the feelings and all of the, the, the practices and the teachings, and everything you did and say, all right, this is how I need to kind of move forward, especially not only for myself, but more importantly, for the patients I take care of?
1: Yeah, so um, I have a hard time sitting down and stopping. So I was actually at work in less than a week of being discharged from the hospital. Um, I was the only physician at my rural clinic in South Carolina. And so I knew my patients were waiting for me. It's hard to find a physician or a nurse practitioner to come and fill in. So, you know, while I'm trying to recoup at home my mind is still I've got patients needing refills on medicines and you know what if somebody's going through what I'm going through and are, are they going to be a misdiagnosis and you know all of these things that I'm trying to balance uh, of making sure it works so um you know I I was ready to get back to to being normal and not necessarily thinking about that I have heart failure so can I go be a doctor and not think about that I have to do do these things was one thing. I wanted to feel normal. I wanted to be the doctor, not on the patient side. So can I just go to work and see patients? And it was a struggle. I could not walk from all of my patient rooms normally, as I did, I had to sit and take breaks. Um, I had to space out sometimes my appointments and let them know, okay, I'm, I'm just gonna need a few minutes. So that was, that was different. Um, That was that was different. Even when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I got through her pregnancy, that pregnancy pretty, pretty easily. And I worked up until, you know, the week before. Um, And so, you know, it wasn't it was different for me having to say, okay, I can't I can't do my usual. And so I mentally had to um, find a peace within myself Um, and pray, and stop, and say, Crystal, it's okay that you can't do what you could do, but let's think about, and so I had to find a peace point for myself in that, and saying that it is okay that I'm not perfect, and that I'm not where I used to be, but I have to be thankful for where I am, and so that took some transitioning, undoing, remembering to take medications. I had almost be remembered medicine and to make sure I was looking at my daily weights, which I, you know, I didn't really do that before. So making sure I woke up in enough time to take medicines, do my daily weights before work, plan out my meal for lunch so that it, the salt content was, was, was safe. Um, it, it was a struggle cause I was not, you know, I would do a lean cuisine or something and I would keep it moving. And then when I went through this, I, that's when I learned how much salt is in lean cuisines? Yes. And so it was like, wow, you know, okay, I'm cutting the calories but all of this salt. So, you know, even that perspective of me being able to educate patients and tell them, okay, well, just because it looks healthy for this, it's not necessarily healthy for this. So it took that whole eating journey on a whole nother level for me um even with dealing with that with my heart patients. So um it was it was a roller coaster ride of emotions and having to face my own mortality and being okay with not being able to do what I used to do, but remembering if I don't do the right things now, I'm not gonna get to where I wanna be. And so mm-hmm. that was my reminder.
0: I love, I love that. I love that.
1: That was my reminder. I have to do the right things now. Um and thankfully it has paid off because now I'm able to run three miles. Um, I'm able to, you know, do things with my daughter, keep up with her, you know, but if I had not done that the right way, um, who knows?
0: And what, what I love is a point you made that you had to kind of face your own mortality. And as, as a, as a health professional, especially as, as the physician, I think a lot of our training Kind of separates us from that because our primary goal and at hand is take care, take care, take care of others. And a lot of times, you know, we, we do kind of leave ourselves kind of falling back and, and not necessarily taking care of ourselves as as we need to. Uh, so, you know, with this diagnosis and then the treatment course and everything else that kind of led up to it, you kind of had to put that kind of right back, front and center, or really next to the, cause it actually kind of sounds like kind of side by side cause the patients really did it. Uh, they, and they unfortunately they couldn't, they couldn't even take a backseat cause you had to do what you had to do uh, to take care of yourself, but really more importantly, take care of your patients as well.
1: And fortunately I, I did have good patients who, you know, some of them knew I was out on medical leave and they asked and for some of them I did share. And they would make sure to tell my nurse, make sure she takes a break. <laughs> so, you know, it, it it is that you, 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 we as, as, as physicians particularly feel like, you know, we have to be the one to take care and we don't step back to remember that our patients even care about us, especially the good ones. And we have to be willing to have that can't do and have this many patients on my schedule. I still can't. Care about you and, um, these things going on. Understanding because they realize they look at us and they're like, "Yeah, she is human. They are. They are human too." And so, you know, we do have to remind our can be wise if we're not setting that example when we're educating them. It's going to be hard for them to say well you didn't take time when you were doing xyz and you told me to so you know that practice what you preach thing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, has really helped me with my accountability <laughs> with making sure that if i'm telling my patients this that i'm also making sure that i'm practicing this so
0: i love it and obviously especially with what was kind of going on you've added the title of author right to a very extensive resume, and I was gonna—I definitely wanted to kind of touch on, you know, who Dr. Maxwell is as the leader, because you—I mean, your resume, your CV, it, it looks very good, right? And 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 I, I this is what I always tell medical students all the time, right? It's like it's one thing to just kind of be a part of the organization, right? But like when you're thrust into leadership roles, which you you seem to like, when you get in, into an organization, you're like, boom, I got to go up to the top, I got to so sense of directions. So I definitely want to talk a little bit about that. Um, but like not as an author, right? Like what, what, what is that about? Like talk, talk to us about that.
1: So I have, I mean, even since I was young, um, I, growing up in, in the church, my parents always, there was the Easter speech. There was the Bible study drill team. There was always something that I was doing some kind of public speaking, um, some kind of education, um, class president of my, um, class uh, every year of high school. So I was always thrust into leadership um, activities. Um, I always enjoyed writing. Um, I, a lot of my Easter speeches ended up being my own writings by the time I hit high school or middle school instead of the ones the Sunday school teacher gave me um, because I, I enjoyed writing. And so um When I came across um, the Women in White Coats um, and learned about the opportunity to tell my story, um, it really appealed to me to further my writing. Because really with being the chief medical officer and doing a lot of things in medicine, the personal side of me, I hadn't really had time to do much with that a lot, you know, going through med school, you lose your life, going through residency, you lose your life. You know, your focus is learning, learning, learning hospital, um, patients and, and everything. And so it's been a while since I'd really taken some time to get back into writing, um, and to that personal side of me. And I thought it was a great opportunity to be able to do that. Um, and so, um, the me, I enrolled in the media course part of Women in White Coats um, to help hone my skills with public speaking, um, um, since that's something that I, that I enjoy doing. Um, and then part of that course also include more writing. And so um, it just opened doors of... Just really being able to get my story out there because I knew that even going through the episode with the heart failure, it wasn't just to go through it, but it was learning lessons um, that I learned. And I wanted to be able to write that down um, and document it and and know that regardless of whether it's heart failure or some other um, major thing that just that's life, it's how you use it. And how you build on it—that um, matters the most.
0: Now, was there any, especially, especially as obviously you were—you writer, writing, you enjoyed writing. Was was it tough, like actually having to put down on paper everything that kind of went on? Was it almost like a, almost like a reliving type moment. Was it difficult that right, or was it more like a therapeutic? How how would you kind of describe that process?
1: <sighs> well, the the other part of my chapter the way that chapter starts called matters of the heart actually starts with the loss of my mom. My mom had heart failure as well. Um, she was actually diagnosed when she was 40. So still early, but much later than me. And, um, writing that portion, um, initially was painful. Um, because it was a reliving in a way that I had not relived that day that i lost her in a while so having to go back through and remembering the details and putting the deeper willing to being able to be open when people wanted to talk about it it was ready for that but i felt like it was a much needed part of the book um With so with that part, it it was rather it was a rather painful thing because that was actually I was going to visit her for Mother's Day weekend. Um, I was pregnant with my daughter at the time. My daughter is the first granddaughter. Um, And so this was really going to be a special time um, for my mom um, and me um, celebrating one another as as mothers. And on the way to the airport is when I found out she was sick. And when I landed, I found so reliving that in the details um, that were needed for the book that was painful, but yet it was still therapeutic um, because there were some things about that day that I hadn't thought about in long. Even in that, helped me to be able to um, for patients who have lost loved ones. Um, to show even more sensitivity when I'm having those discussions or when those things are coming up or someone walks in and they tell me, yes, I lost my mom last month or I lost my dad last month. It puts things on a different, um, different level for me in, in the way that I talk with them now. Um, so it was painful, um, but it was still yet therapeutic because I don't, sh- I haven't, hadn't really shared it at that level. And so, getting it out and not holding it in was definitely a therapeutic process.
0: Amazing. And 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 I hope people, especially, get, obviously read everyone' chapter, but of course your chapter, right? Um, because there, there's so much that that goes into uh, you know that aspect of loss. Um, I know my, my father actually passed away when I was a second year medical, student, second year medical, no first year going to like. In fact, I, I was I think it was like the last week of, uh, first year. So like experiencing such a loss and, and that such a time, right. Uh, can change you. And it, and it's such an interesting fact that you, I've seen that, you know, just kind of just following the journey and just kind of seeing what you're doing. Um, you, you are able to kind of take that and, you know, take that loss, uh, but really build upon it. And it, you probably don't even realize the amount of lives that you, you affected in such a positive way. Because a lot of times, especially while we're while we're doing the changing, we, we don't really like keep track because that's just unfortunately that's how physicians work. We don't really keep track of all of the, the lives we're changing. But I know and it sounds like you're doing such an amazing job. So, um, again, thank you for definitely you know, being able to kind of pour your heart out and be open. Because uh, and I know as, as as authors, I know that's usually the the most difficult step, right? Just really kind of being open to an audience, uh, like you don't even know, like I don't even know who these people are, right? I don't like I don't know who's listening in the lunch community. I don't know who's gonna be reading this book and gonna read my chapter. Uh, but I know that if I'm not open, then someone else who's who's reading, who's listening, is not gonna be open with what they need to be open with as well, too. So definitely uh, appreciate. Um you know being able to kind of put those words and put those emotions uh for us so that we can kind of kind of go in and know who really is dr. Maxwell, so definitely appreciative of that if 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 we if you had one goal that you would want the the reader uh to get when it's all said and done right about dr Maxwell after they read and after they you know they follow you on the social media and all like if you had what like what what would be the one thing you want them to get from you?
1: Uh, probably the one thing that I'd want people to get from me is, um, learn from the journey. Um, because we're all going to go through something, um, at, at any point. Um, you know, I, I really thought when I lost my mom, that was probably the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. She was my phone call every evening on my way home from work, um, And then we talked on Saturday and Sunday. Um, When I lost her and then the way that I did, I thought possibly, okay, this is it. This is my big thing that's gonna happen to me in life and I need to learn from it. And, you know, but things going forward are gonna be, you know, they're gonna go up from here. And, you know, lo and behold, six months later, (laughs) the next year, uh, you know, I found myself in my own battle you know, with heart disease. And so it's just a embrace even the negative because there's good in it. Um, And even though it hurts and it's painful, just know that if you look to figure out where's the positive and what you can gain and what you need to learn from it, um, you'll be all the more better for it and you'll be able to find a peace with it. Um, and it's a lot of times not obvious when you're first going through it, but being reflective about it, um, sharing with those who love you and support you and letting them do that and letting them in, um, will help you to see what that good is. Um, so, you know, focusing on, you know, looking for the positive and the good and learning something through it, because it would be very it's, it's disastrous to go through something bad and never learn something good
0: and obviously with everything on your plate right is and i and of course i always ask oh so what's next right because again that's like i <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't see you kind of stopping right like i just I, i've got the gist that like you're probably you probably got more plans on the horizon um when it's all said and done so like after you know the book and everything like what, what's next for you like what 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 do you have any like plans or any? to where you want to go or right now you're just kind of kind of in the moment talk to us
1: well since you asked (laughs) (laughs) um i am actually in the process of opening my own direct primary care practice um i have enjoyed being on the employed side um and i am going to venture on the very scary side of being solo Um, one of the things that we discussed earlier was, um, the problem with the disconnect of having your patients come in and you talk to them and then they go home and there's still a whole bunch of questions. And a lot of that is unfortunately the way that medicine is set up. You know, I have 10 to 15 minutes with my patient and I have to get out because I've got the next patient waiting and I don't have enough time. To go through all of that education information, all of those lifestyle things to make those things work that I'm telling them that they need to do to get their diabetes under control, that I'm telling them to do if they need to figure out how to make the life best work and they're frustrated with having it on, I don't have the time for that a lot of times because of the way that it's set up. So I've made the decision that I am going to do direct primary care where I can offer 30 to 60 minute visits with my patient and provide them more quality time with me about what those things are that they can do to change their lifestyle and be able to maintain that lifestyle. So that's my next venture, uh, because that is where I started when I was fourteen. That is where I saw myself as a physician, and I have made do with what I've had these last ten years. But now I feel like i'm I'm at a point that I really need to get back to the heart of medicine of where I wanted where I saw myself as practicing. And so I decided to, I'm gonna do my own practice so that I can bring that into fruition.
0: Oh, I love it, and uh, those those who, obviously lunch learning community knows. I've always been a fan, of uh, the physician entrepreneur who wants to step out, and 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 she, Dr. Maxwell, is one hundred percent correct that you know, as a physician, we want to talk to you guys more, right? We want to give you all the time in the world, but the 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 reality does not allow that. Right. The reality doesn't allow us to have 30 minutes for every single patient because it's just it just isn't is unless we take it into our own hands. And, you know, I have a few of my friends as well, too, who are in the direct primary care who are going that direction because they realize that, um, they're not going to be 100% fulfilled in what they're doing. Not to say they don't love what they're doing, but the confines of what they're doing it in just isn't successful for them, right? Mentally, uh, spiritually, like it just isn't. So they, so they're like, I got to break out. I got to do my own. Uh, so uh, we're definitely going to wish you all of the the best of luck. Um, where can people? Where can people find you? Follow you to kind of like so, especially especially the people. Are, is it going to be in South Carolina? Or are you is it same South Carolina? It's right? in
1: South Carolina, yes.
0: So where can people find you to, to follow you to so they know that when it's ready when, when whenever you're ready they can sign up and go like give, give them all of the details website social whatever that that thing is uh, so so we know we can track you down Um
1: so my website is in the making um, but I can be found on Facebook. Dr. Crystal Maxwell. Simple search will bring me up. Just Dr. Crystal Maxwell will bring you up to my Facebook page. Um, and then from there, um, this week, I'm actually launching my a link will be on that, that uh, Facebook page with an enrollment link um, or a or, or request for more information.
0: Nice and uh, member lunchtime community members, uh, if you're listening to this, all all the information. Her link will definitely be in the show notes, so you'll be able to click and go right right to her Facebook page. Again, Dr. Maxwell, you know, it's first of all, thank you for you know you know obviously taking taking the leap right, becoming an author right, but obviously being able to kind of open up. Uh, your story here uh, on on the podcast community, because like I said, we have so many people. You know, we have physicians, healthcare workers, people who want to be health uh, healthier, right? Um, who who listen to this, and I, I know they're going to be, you know, they're going to be taken aback, uh, but they're going to be more driven. Right. Uh, with your story. Right. Because, again, I think a lot of times as a physician, we don't, you know, you know, sometimes our patients, you know, don't necessarily see us as, you know, people as well. So they don't realize like, hey, I may be dealing with some same medical related issues that you may be able to deal with as well. So, um, you know, thank you for opening up. And, you know, giving us that opportunity, you know, to be motivated and to be driven and understand that, like, yes, yes, it can be done. Because clearly there's people in front of me uh, who who got a world of things to do who are doing it as well. So, again, thank you for that.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my... Undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode. And if you have not already done so, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five star review, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. Leave a review there because. Your support is so, 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 so valuable for what we're doing here on the Lunch Learn and everything with Pierre Medical Consulting. And if you have not done so, go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv is very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all gonna be one word, Learn Pod to 222 And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out. Because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. These are the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thanks, guys. You have a blessed day. And I'm going to see you guys next week.